Section 43 of Essays on Art. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Max Reichlich. Essays on Art by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Translated by Samuel Gray Ward. Section 43. Hints to Young Artists. Section 1. The dilettante, when he has done all he can, excuses his work by saying it is not yet finished. In fact, it never can be finished, because it was not properly begun. The master, with a few strokes, gives to his work an air of finish. Finished or not, it is complete at every stage. The cleverest dilettant feels his way amid uncertainty, and with each step of progress of the work, the insecurity of the foundation becomes more and more apparent. At the end, too late to correct it, the error first becomes evident, and thus the work is, in fact, not susceptible of finish. In true art there are no preparatory schools, though there must be preparation, of which the best means is to have even the lowest scholar take part in the work of the master. Color grinding has been the first step of many excellent artists. Another is the spirit of imitation, towards which the natural common activity of man is turned through the influence of some talented artist who performs the difficult with facility. Section 2 Let the young artist frequent the dances of the peasants, on Sundays and holidays, mark their natural motions, giving the girls the garments of nymphs, and the boors the ears, or the goat's feet of satyrs. When he has learned to seize nature correctly, and give to the forms a nobler and freer carriage, all will be at a loss to know where he found it, and be ready to swear it was drawn from the antique. Moreover, when he meets with rope-dancers and circus-riders, let him not neglect to observe them carefully. Avoiding what is exaggerated, false, or mechanical, he may learn the infinity of graceful positions the human body is capable of. Neither let him neglect the forms of beasts, but learn to form a general idea of horses and dogs, and turn his attention also to wild and foreign animals. Section 3 Of necessity, the imitative artist must make studies after nature, with the value of which, in general, we are sufficiently impressed. But we will not deny that we are often vexed when we see the misuse to which such praiseworthy efforts are liable. It is our conviction that the young artist should make few, if any, studies from nature, without thinking, at the same time, how each piece might be rounded into a whole, how he might make this object changed into an agreeable picture, and enclosed in a frame, produce a pleasing impression upon the connoisseur and the lover of art. Many beauties stand isolated in the world. To discover modes of bringing them together, and thus produce works of art, this is the office of the mind. The flower derives a charm from the insect that rests on it, the drops of dew that moisten it, the vase from which it draws its last nourishment. There is no bush, no tree, to which the neighborhood of a rock or a spring does not impart significance, or which does not borrow an added charm from a simple, appropriate distance. The same holds of human forms, and beasts of all sorts. The advantages the young artist will derive from this courage will be manifold. He learns to think, to unite things that go well together, and if he continues in this way to compose thoughtfully, he cannot fail to arrive at last at what is called invention, the development of the manifold out of the special. If by this means he satisfies the demands of a true artistic training, he gains moreover the advantage, which is by no means to be despised, of producing agreeable and charming designs that connoisseurs will eagerly purchase. 
Works of this sort do not require to be carried out and finished in the highest degree. When they show a clear eye, a good perception and execution, they are often more pleasing to the amateur than greater and more finished works. Let the young artist keep his studies for examination, in books and portfolios, and reflect upon all those he has by the above method succeeded in making interesting or valuable. We are not now speaking of the higher, of which we might also speak, but what we say is by way of admonition to turn back the learner from a wrong path and referring at the same time to the higher. Let the artist but pursue this method for half a year, practically, and use neither charcoal nor brush without the intention of making into a picture the present natural scene. If he has native talent, it will soon display itself, which is the object we wish to forward by these hints. Section 4 When I have asked young German painters, especially those who have passed some time in Italy, why they exhibit to the eye such a disagreeably bright tone, and seem to shun all harmony, they have answered, with complacency and confidence, that was precisely the way nature appeared to them. Kant has made us aware that there is a criticism of reason, that there was ground for keeping watch over this highest power that man is possessed of. What advantage has been derived from this, we may each have proved in his own experience. In the same sense I would advance the proposition that a criticism of sense is necessary, if art generally, and particularly German art, is to raise itself again, and advance with a cheerful and lifelike step. The man who is born to the possession of reason is not independent of farther culture, which he may receive from the care of friends and instructors, through quiet example of others, or harsh experience of his own. In the same way the artist is born, progressive, but not complete. He may bring a fresh eye to the world, may have a happy conception of form, proportion, movement, but in regard to higher composition, keeping, light, shade, color, his natural talents may be insufficient, without his being aware of it. If therefore he feels no inclination to learn, from the complete artists of the past and present time, that which he is in want of to become a proper artist, he will fall short of his own powers, in the false idea of guarding his originality. For not only all that is born with us, but also all that we are able to inherit, belongs to and is a part of us. End of section 43